Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Today, we're talking about Grimfest 2017, Manchester, Manchester's finest, and one of UK's uh, long-running horror film festivals. Welcome, Simeon Halligan. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm doing very well. So let's, let's give um, a brief synopsis then so people can get their head around it. So tell me, what is Grimfest from your point of view as one of the people that runs it? Uh, Grimfest is uh, Manchester's uh, and the North West's um, premium horror film festival. Horror, and we like to call it kind of fantastic film festival because not everything we play is a horror movie. Okay. Uh, but there's a lot of horror. We also play, you know, some sci- the odd sci-fi film and, and stuff that we just think will appeal to our fans. You know, um, for instance, this year we're going to a film called Dave Made a Maze, which isn't a horror film, but it's a really quirky, clever, maybe Michael Gondry-esque kind of movie from Canada, mm-hmm. very bizarre and crazy, and it's fun. And we're pretty sure our audience is going to love it. So it's not all horror films. But, um, but yeah, we've been running since 2009. Okay. Um, our initial festival, I mean, we never really set out to run a festival, which we always say. Um, we're also filmmakers, myself and my partner, Rachel, and she's a producer and I'm a director. And we made a movie called Splintered, and we wanted to screen it in our hometown in Manchester. And we kind of thought we'd do it at Halloween because it seemed to make sense because it's a horror film. Yeah. We, we hadn't premiered it anywhere, so we thought it was, you know, this is a good chance to do good, good idea to do it at um, Halloween. And then as we started discussing the idea with various other people around us, like Steve Bauscher, who's been involved with us from the start, who helps run the festival. Um, he, he'd been running other festivals in Manchester. And he came up with the name, for a start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also started t- discussing it with other people, other distributors, other filmmakers, and everyone started offering us films. We were just going to put on one film or maybe a couple of films on Halloween night. And the more people talked about it, the more we were started getting offered movies and just things started growing and growing. And in the end, we did, like, I think it was probably about four days, the first festival, screened about 20-odd movies, feature films and shorts. 
it just expanded and it was just it just kind of grew out of nowhere and by the end of the first year we just thought we'd never want to do this again because it's too goddamn stressful it was actually (laughs) (laughs) it it ain't easy running film festivals and particularly when you've never done it before yeah was it was pretty hard work uh, and we didn't not everything ran that smoothly in the first year i have to be honest um and uh but by the time we got to the end of it we we're like right um i remember i, I ran steve up in the middle of the night and said I th- i've got some ideas for next year he said i thought you didn't ever want to do it again it's like yeah well you know i've got some ideas i think it could be good and then since then it's just continued and grown and grown and grown um and uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it's been in various different venues over the years, but this year, as has been the last few years, we're in the print works. Now it used to be the Odeon Print Works in the middle of Manchester. It's now changed to the View. It's been taken over by the View Cinema chain. So that's that's the one near Victoria Train Station, yeah. It is, yeah. It's the biggest. It's the biggest uh, multiplex in the middle of Manchester with a big, massive IMAX screen. And while, uh, and while we're still in the beginning, then what 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 date is it now? Because you mentioned Halloween, but you don't you don't play. You're not you're not Halloween now, are you? You're a bit earlier no, in the month. That's a that's a good point. We we started out Halloween uh, the first couple of years, and then we decided to pull it forward. So we run the first weekend of October every year, mm-hmm. and this year we run from Thursday the fifth to Sunday the eighth of October. Um, so yeah, that's our date. Always the beginning of October. I'm not quite sure why. We just found that with Halloween, when we first started out, a lot of people too busy getting drunk on Halloween, strangely enough, rather than wanting to watch horror movies. And we just felt like maybe we're better off pulling it further forward. And it, it, it's it tended to work for us. It's getting it's a pretty crowded time of year now for film festivals, particularly genre film festivals. Um, October, November. Um, mm-hmm. So many genre festivals around then, and that's that's okay. But um, it's proving to be more and more tricky for us in terms of um, everybody and their dog wants to screen horror and genre films now in a way that they didn't used to, say, nine years ago. <laughs> um, so even the bigger national film festivals, like the London Film Festival, has a bit, quite a, a hefty kind of um, genre um, slate of films that they screen now as well. And they run around about the same time as Grimm. So it's not always easy for us to get the premieres we'd like to get if they're screening it. Yeah, no, I've no, I've noticed this. I was talking to a guy called um, Joe Yannick, who works at Visit Films, the sales agent. Yes. And his job is, um, which I guess you dealt with on MFA, wouldn't you, I suppose? Yes. Um, um, his job is festivals, is, is like festivals manager, so to speak. So I had a chat with him about the the, the sort of the map of, the map of the world in terms of festivals, and I was interested to learn like even even festivals like Tribeca now have got a healthy genre content. And before yeah. we started the podcast, we were we were saying that you know Cannes has now got this this frontier genre co-production market within the festival. Uh, Blood Window brings a whole South American genre content to the festival. So. The mainstream clearly clearly sees the the worth in in the in the horror sci-fi fantasy genre. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess because there's always a massive. Well, one of the reasons, I suppose, is there's a really head, strong and dedicated fan base for genre stuff and horror mm-hmm. fans. You've got at Grimfest. There's a whole kind of group of people that come every year. You know, I think I can imagine we'll all, all be old age pensioners together eventually watching these movies. It's quite fun. You know, it comes up, you know, it's a whole kind of group of people we know each other really well now because we've been because of our shared love of, of genre film. Yeah, I mean, was, I think that I mean, and, and this is obviously sweeping generalisation, but but I've noticed that there is a kind of sense of community at genre festivals that you don't get at more sort of generic film festivals, for want of a better expression. In my experience, that is, you know, that's only my observation. I think, I think you're right. I really think you're right. And I don't know quite what, why that is. 
but definitely there's a I mean amongst, know, even amongst the filmmakers as well I mean amongst the filmmakers themselves and but but even more so amongst the punters I mean I'm friends with people that I met in the queue for tickets at a festival yeah in 2010 and I'm I, I only see them at the at the festival every year you know it's sort of yeah that's that's where we know each other and that and we and yes. we always have a good laugh and it's like we've never not seen each other but yes yeah I know it's it's it, it is quite bizarre and and uh, and I don't know why that seems to be the case, for particularly for genre and horror film festivals, but it does seem the case. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, I guess it's just this combined self, you know, everybody there is there for the same reasons, but I suppose you would say that about, um, a, um, you know, a film festival that isn't um, specifically genre orientated. Um, well, I guess, I mean, I guess, I suppose, in, 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 again, and it's, it's, it's probably a bit of a back-ended compliment, you don't really associate horror genre, although there are, auteur filmmakers who've worked in the genre with with auteurs whereas drama is where you tend to think of the you know the the individual who's who, who stands above everybody else and so drama is necessarily not about the whole offering it's about what's that one thing you were meant to see maybe yeah that's just a theory i don't know whether there's any grounds I, to I, it. I also think for, for whatever reason there's also a very kind of open a bit real open nature to uh, the filmmakers in genre stuff generally and uh, they're always very happy to kind of um, talk to the fans and and be one of them and they are the fans you know the filmmakers. i was gonna say it's bottom up isn't it you you, you find that the, the fans are then making the films and going it wasn't yes, that long absolutely. ago wasn't that long ago that i was stood where you are <laughs> yeah 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 no exactly yeah absolutely so it, it's um and certainly at Grimfest, it's one of those, you know, we really pride ourselves on it being a very kind of relaxed and easygoing festival where everybody mixes together. And, you know, people seem to love that. The filmmakers always come away from Grim, fingers crossed they, they will do this year, they always have done in the past, having had a great time. And I think a lot of it's because we don't kind of divide them or take them away from the fans. We keep them all together. And so there's plenty of... You know, people are wanting to talk and discuss the films afterwards, and and people love to talk about their work, and people like to love to talk about the things they've just seen. So it works brilliantly, I think. Um, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. The, you were talking about genre film. You're talking about like the bigger festivals all embracing genre. Yes, they are. And it, it's um, you know, it's an interesting time, I think, because you know, obviously with where we are with Netflix and Amazon and the way it's going with streaming movies and the way multiplexes are really mainly dedicating their spaces to kind of big blockbusters now mainly mm. and the increase of all the big franchises. And so it's it, it's very, very difficult for the smaller films to really get exposure on a big screen. And because, and because of that, I think that festivals are becoming more and more important, you know, all round. Well, I was going to say, well, they become, they, they, they become an event, don't they, where you can see a film on the big screen. Which is what Absolutely. cinemas cinemas were anyway. So the genre festival can can say, okay, we're going to dedicate our time and space to films that aren't the blockbuster. Yeah. And also, it means that there's a lot of films that may never get may big screen big screen exposure apart from in festivals. Particularly if the foreign language films. You know, I mean, it's hard for foreign language films in this country to get big screen exposure now. Um, so if it's a genre film that's coming, so for instance, we're playing say a film like The Bride this year, which is a Russian kind of supernatural thriller. It's pretty good. It's really well made. And, um, and you know, obviously we're giving it big screen exposure. I don't know what's going to happen when the film after the festival, whether anyone's picked it up yet. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, as, as you know, it's hard for foreign language films to kind of make uh, a stand in this country. Um, so we like to try and put on and support as much as we can films from all around the world 
from different countries and give them that exposure, you know, because you want people want to see the film and they want an audience to see the film on the big screen. That's what they made it for. Well, generally, uh, increasingly stuff is, uh, is is only making it, you know, and even big films now, because of, obviously with the whole Amazon Netflix thing, they'll 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 pick up a film before it's finished or they'll fund the film so that it goes straight onto Netflix. It might mm. get, you know, it might get one or two big screen outings, but that's it. So, um, yeah, I think festivals are increasingly becoming more important for the fans and for the filmmakers. It's an experience, all sides, from both sides, that um, people still crave for. Um, and, um, yeah. Well, look, I mean, uh, let's, let's, let's start, let's start, let's shine some light on yourself so we don't, we don't end up with uh, any, any false modesty here in terms of what we talk about. You're opening the festival with your latest film, Habit. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So that's there's there's your there's your film festival in action still, as uh, you're still you're still doing it and you're still able to uh, to to make it a venue for you. And is that your world premiere then? Um, technically, I think it's screening at Lund just before we're screening at Grimfest. So okay. Lund, Sweden, I think we'll get the world premiere. We're not quite sure on the dates of them yet, but it's going to be around about the same time. So to be safe, we're saying it's UK premiere. Fair enough, that makes sense. Now, we're going to talk about that in more detail in a separate podcast about your film, because I think that's better we give it some space. Let's continue sure. this conversation about Grimfest itself. And, to, and one, one of the films on your, on your schedule, which play in the same day as, your, uh, as Habit, which is a good example of a film that, I mean, Stillborn, to me, felt like a film that's sort of straight out of the kind of, you know, the kind of hand that rocks the cradle... Fatal Attraction type, you know, nail biter thriller type of film. Yeah. Yes. And and I've spoken to Brandon, the, the director of that one, uh, on the on the podcast at, uh, back in August, and and <clears throat> and I was surprised because I've watched that. I was like, well, this will obviously get a cinema run. And there's an example of a film that looks and feels like something you'd expect to see at the cinema, but because because of the way the marketplace operates, there isn't room for something that doesn't have a star in it for, as, as as easy as it, as it was as it once was. Well, I mean, yes, but then again, you've got the Blumhouses and the big structure, the big US companies who are making and or releasing genre stuff um, with, you know, a mass release in cinemas. And those films don't necessarily have big stars in. It just, it, sometimes it depends, you know, who you're working with. You know, if you can get a film going with Blumhouse, then you're probably going to get a, a decent release. Um, but that's, that's to do with their deal. That's to do with their distribution deal, isn't it? So in a way, they, they, they're, they're not they're not getting judged on each film. They have a deal that but, is. You know, we'll find that some, if it's a Blumhouse type movie, we're, we're less likely to screen it at Grimfest um, because you know people are going to get to see that movie anyway. It's going to mm. get it, it's got the I mean, not all Blumhouse stuff gets big cinema releases, but most of it does. Um, you know, and so you're going to get to see that film in a multiplex anyway if you want to. Um, so. Uh, you know, we'll tend to focus on stuff that is that, that audiences are not going to necessarily get to see so easily. Mm. Uh, I think that's part of our job as a film festival is to find really exciting and different movies um, and and highlight them and show them to people. And, 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 you know, because otherwise these films might go under the radar and some of them are very, very good. And Stillborn's fantastic, it, but it's very much, um, you know, when you look at our schedule of films, they're all very, very different. And I guess that's a slightly more mainstream kind of um, horror uh, in the respect that it's, you know, it, it's got jump scares and it's got tension, it's got suspense and its subject matter is kind of, but it's really, really solid and we liked it very much. Um, 
Whereas, you know, we might play something, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that's the, the complete opposite of that. I think, uh, I think, I think a tackle the adult babies would be the opposite of that. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or even something like, you know, that's Dominic Brunt's uh, movie, yeah, which is that new British film, which is, it's completely bonkers. Uh, by the looks of it, um, I'm yet to see it actually, so it'd be interesting to see it. So the rest of the team's in, I haven't seen it yet. Get, um, get, get ready for the shit cannon, is all I'm saying to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories about it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be your interest to see that, how that goes down. Although, uh, although you could pick something like Borley Rectory, which was doing screening the um, UK premiere, uh, sorry, the world premiere of, um, which is um, Ashley Thorpe's movie, which she's been working on um, for quite a number of years. And it's very much a labour of love. Um, it's it's a kind of dramatised. I suppose you'd call it a dramatised documentary. I don't know um, about the history of Borley Rectory, which is a very famous haunted house. And it stars people like Reece Shearsmith um, and Nicholas Vince. Um, and uh, it's beautiful. But it's made. It's very much a, a one man band in terms of actually, as, as far as I know, he's done most of the work on it himself. Mm. And it's it utilises all sorts of clever techniques. I mean, he's a master of, of animation and uh, um, rotoscoping and combining kind of photographic work and model work with actors. So I presume he shot a lot of these actors against green screen and created the backgrounds and the worlds around them. And it's just a beautiful piece of cinema, um, really, really fascinating and different. Um, he's got his own vibe that, you know, you I really haven't seen anywhere else. And so that's quite fascinating and very fresh. So there, that's, you know, another thing that's completely different from from, say, Stillborn, you know, different... That, that's what I love about, about this stuff, is that although we kind of go, and I hate it because you go, for Speech Marks, it's a horror film festival, but actually, when you look at this, the broadness and the spectrum of the films we play, they're all at extreme ends of that kind of genre. You know, well, not everything is... What I'm saying is it's a very broad church. Um, so it encompasses all sorts of stuff. Um, well, and, in, in that sense, then you're you're not just putting on a fest, not just putting on a horror festival. Are you? You're you're kind of curating a film experience because you want to you want to touch those bases, and you also, I guess, in the way that you program it, you want it to kind of make sense, don't you? Is the way. So fans of your festival, I guess, yeah. are confident in your your eclectic the eclectic nature of the genre and how you're going to present oh, that absolutely. to them. And, and you like to think that that's a really important part of the, of the process, and it, it's certainly a very time-consuming part of the process. Um, and you'd like to think, you'd like to think and, and I hope it is the case, that um, the reason so many people come back to Grimfest every year is because they kind of like what we play and they kind of like, you know, um, what we put together for an experience. Mm. You know, over the years, you start to develop a taste. With, I mean, we've, obviously we have a taste. There's a bunch of us that program the movies, and we all have different tastes, but what will generally happen is, you know, if we all say we kind of like something, then that's going to likely go into the pot of something we probably play. Mm. Uh, uh, but there's also that whole thing of, like, sometimes there's something we love, but it might not quite fit into the overall structure of the festival because, you know, you've got ebbs and flows. You want to screen something that might be quite dark, and then you might want to screen something after that that's a bit lighter or a bit funnier. You know, you want to kind of give that experience so that people go on a journey throughout that, that, that you know, we, we screen, we start on the Thursday end and the Sunday, so it's like a technically three and a half days. And you want people to feel like, you know, they go, they, they, they go ups and downs, they have different emotions, different films. By the time they get to the end, they feel like they've had a great experience. And they come out excited and happy, you know, but through that process, they watch things that can be extremely dark, extremely, you know, that can be very challenging, 
or they can be hugely amusing, or they can be um, intellectually challenging. You know, so many different things that you want. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just looking at your Saturday the seventh as as a program, and you've got you've got the kind of sort of um, almost like exploitative horror of the survivalist film Killing Ground, which yes. you know it doesn't it isn't it not nearly as graphic as anything someone's going to reference, but when I watched it, it made me reach for my, my Men, Women and Chainsaws book. You know, it's got, it's got those flavours of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or I Spit in Your Grave. Uh, yeah. You know, it's that, uh, the phrase that Carol Glover come up with, Urban Oyer, it's about when we go to the countryside, you know, yeah. the, 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 the rules of society are not quite as, uh, as rigid as they are when you're in the city. Yeah. Um, and then, on the, then, later, then the, later on, well, in fact, you've then got kind of Cronenberg-esque replace... Yes. You've then got the millennial fuck you game of death. You've then got the comedy horror of double date. Yes. You've then got you've then got um what's it called? Uh, the guys that did uh, Inside. Yes. Their, their, their their Texas Chainsaw um prequel. Yep. And and just those films alone, that's five films in a day and there's two more to come. You mentioned Bride the Russian one. And that's 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 all under the banner of horror. But each film, you're going to come away with a different feeling and a different understanding of the world. Absolutely, yeah. And, and we should mention also on that day, after Liverface, we screened Fake Blood, which is an international premiere. And that in itself is completely different from all those other films and fascinating because what it is, is it's a movie by two, uh, a, a guy called Rob Grant and his colleagues who are actors. They made a film called Mon Ami, which we screened a couple of years ago. Okay. Which kind of slacker comedy horror about two guys that kidnap their boss's daughter for a ransom, and it all goes very badly wrong, and uh, it gets out of control, it gets rather violent, but it's very funny and, and very black, and we loved it, and it, and it played very well. It's a Canadian movie, and um, this film is quite something different because it's, it's a kind of, well, I can't tell you whether it's a real, I wouldn't like to say it's real, if, how much of this film is real or not, but it's a documentary, or maybe a mock documentary, that's in debate, about the the real filmmaker and his colleagues who start to th look about, look at their um, responsibilities, filmmakers and the violence they portray in films uh, after they start getting messages sent to them from somebody who'd seen their film and has been influenced by their film and is doing very dodgy things. So they then start investigating this world and getting themselves involved in a very dark series of events. And it's made as a documentary and you're constantly asking, is this real or is this not real? Uh, and it gets darker and darker and, and very kind of bizarre as it as it progresses. And they obviously, you know, it, it's all, it also is about the, the break of their relationship as filmmakers and friends when they're pushed to an extreme. Mm. Really, absolutely fascinating film. Completely sounds fun. amazing. It sounds is. Amazing. It's really good. It's really really different. Um, and I think that's going to be also Rob's coming over from Canada to present the film to a Q and A afterwards. So that's another completely different kind of film from the other things that are on that day. Yeah, it's such a, you know, smorgasbord, if you want to, if you want to put it that way, of, of different, different films. But they're all good, which, well, I think they are anyway. So. Well, and then there's, two, there's two more that, that I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see on your, on your, uh, on, on your programme, because it's from one of my, fav my favourite producers. Uh, he, seems to, he seems to be involved with, with a lot of films I've liked over the last few years. It's Travis Stevens. And yes. you've, you've got 68 Kill, and you've also got... Mohawk, which yes. which is uh, which is what I'm, I'm dying to see. I've not seen it yet. I loved um, 
I love Ted Ted's uh, first film, uh, We Are Still Here. Yeah, yes. Uh, and obviously, Mohawk is a very different thing thing altogether. But but even just those two films that the same producers worked on, Sixty Eight Kill and Mohawk, yes. they, they look unrelated. But yeah, creatively, there's, there's there's similar fuel going into them. Um, we're, really, we're really pleased with Mohawk because obviously we've got we've got the European premiere. So it's yeah, yeah, good. yeah. No, it's very very prestigious. Exactly. Too. And 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 so which is you know when you've got so many other. Um, big festivals knocking about. Um, you got to fight for for premieres if you can get them. Mm. So it's great to, that we've got Mohawk. Uh, it's a really really good film. Ted, I've been in touch with. Um, I've been in touch with. I like to get in touch with as many of the directors as I can mm-hmm. um, from the films we screen. And I we a thing that we started doing is if we can't get them to come to the festival, and obviously we can't get everyone to come because one we can't afford to bring, if they're in America or they're in Canada or they're far reaches or in Russia or all over the world, we we just literally can't afford to get them all over. Sometimes some filmmakers decide to come up their own steam, which is great. Sometimes we you know we try our budget is so tight, but we'll try and get as many people as we can to come. And if we can't, then we we like to do uh, a video intro if possible. Right. So. I've been collating video intros from various different filmmakers over the last few days, uh, and it's fascinating to get their their take on their own film, you know, and how they present their own film. Um, Ted is obviously clearly very proud of Mohawk. It's something very important to him, and it's it, it, it's a statement on his own country, I think, and on the history of his own country. And that's 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 something he's you know he's very keen to p- portray, and and the, the kind of you know the legacy of. Uh, the history of the country and the racist a- attitudes that you know might well be kind of bubbling to the surface in current times, mm. re- reflected in this film that's set. You know, it's a western essentially, but it yeah, takes, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of you know presenting it from the the uh, um, uh, the Mohawks' perspective. Um, uh, it, it is really good. Um, so yeah, it's 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 great to be screening that. We're screening that on Sunday, eighth of October, and um, and then I think it's I think it's then screening. I'm not sure where it's going after that. It might be screening at Sitches. I'm sure it's screening all over the world. But mm. yeah, we're very lucky to have that. It's great. No, no, no. Now, now I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes to to the uh, to the program and where you can get tickets. But just one question. Just a couple of questions. I'd like to ask on a, more, a wider point is. It, and, and 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 about programming a festival. Can you give us an insight into sort of the the process of selecting films? We've, we've established that obviously they can be very different and they can come from different come different ways at you. And obviously, competing for premieres becomes becomes a, a part of the part of the game, as it were. But generally speaking, you're obviously seeing more films than you get to show. So how do how do you get to show the what? How do you decide on what you show? Oh, got it. It, it's it's a massive job actually because you know we, we actually watch hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of stuff and it it, it comes to us in different ways um, and we have open submissions and we we generally at the moment use a platform called uh, Film Freeway and there's a bunch of different platforms but that 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 platform uh, and there's other ones like Without a Box and stuff but they really kind of make the submission process easier for us so people can submit to the festival through that. So we watch all of the stuff that's submitted, and there's an awful lot of stuff. There's a lot of features, a hell of a lot of shorts. Um, we also, um, you know, we go out to discover what's being what's screening at other festivals. So our festival year will tend to start, or our, our Grimfest year will tend to start in May, really. Mm-hmm. We tend to go out to Cannes. Some of the team, one or two of the team, will be in Cannes if possible, and starting to starting to look at 
what films are in the marketplace and what films are being screened there uh, and start to build a list of stuff that we either see or we're interested in seeing. So there's that on top of the submissions, and that will build over the year. So from that list, we'll then start going out to to talk to either the filmmakers or the companies that are selling those films. Yeah. Trying to secure screeners that we can have a look at. So we'll end up with a massive list of films. um, And... Then we kind of, this year, with there was uh, four of us watching the films, uh, all with different all different ages, all with different tastes, which I think is important. Yeah. Uh, and if we all kind of say we like something, then that will generally go into the pot of things that we, we, we're interested in screening in the festival. Um, but it's a complicated process, because even if you all like something, it doesn't mean you're going to be able to secure it you know mm. if it's been submitted for the festival then generally you should it, it, you should be all right with saying that we're going to screen it um but if it hasn't and you're chasing it and quite often will be a film that we love and then we'll go back to the sales company and they'll say that they want a huge screening fee and then mm. we just can't afford to screen it because we don't have a massive budget and that's always frustrating so there's one or two films this year that we really wanted to screen but we couldn't afford to and then there are other there are other issues that stop us from screening things like for instance there might be premier status um so it might be that they they you know they're saying yeah we're glad, glad you love the film and glad you want to screen it but unfortunately it's having its premiere at somewhere some other festival and that it's just after your festival, so you can't have the film. These things happen all the time, and also, you know, a lot of the films will be working with will be working with the UK distributors as well, and they may say that they want they don't want it screened before they release, or you know, there's all sorts of different reasons. So, so it does become a real challenge because there'll be films that we really, really want to screen, and we know the film the fans want us to screen them as well, and we can't necessarily get them. <laughs> which is... No, no, this is interesting part of my own learning curve about about festivals and and where they sit in the, in the film world is that there are obviously distributors and sales agents that say film festivals are not part of our strategy. So, yes. so no, matter how, no matter what you present to them or whatever money you want to give them, it isn't part of a strategy to market the film. No, and there's also that element of like some, some sales companies might say, well, we're only going to do, say, one festival in the UK, for instance. Okay, okay. And so if you're not that festival, then you're not going to get the film. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. It really does vary from one film to another. And, you know... Uh, I'm also a filmmaker, so I know that, for instance, our festival runs around about the same time as the uh, London Film Festival, and they're very precious about premier stateship. So, you know, there's a couple of films this year that we couldn't get because they're screening uh, just after us at London, and they obviously their UK premiere will be at the London Film Festival, so we can't have them. Um, and that's just the way life is, I suppose. But I know, it, you know, being a filmmaker as well, if someone was offering me the London Film Festival and the London offering me Grimfest, I'd probably take the London Film Festival because it's big and it's going to give me more exposure i totally i have to accept that i understand that mm. but it is tricky and you, you always you always fight to put, to put the best stuff on and you want you want to you know you, i always feel like it's it's our it's our job to present the very best lineup of films we can for our fans uh, and and for you know we're also trying to attract new people to the festival so it'll be a combination of stuff that we kind of think the fans are going to like but you also want to put something on that that, that people are new that don't know the festival are going to be drawn to it you know mm. um so it's it's yeah it's a tricky one and 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 that the the kind of soup that that this you know mixture of films that you eventually form a kind of um lineup from um is it's a complex process and um an intense process sometimes because you think you're almost there and then something will drop away or another film will drop away or, um, 
you know, uh, and then you'll replace it with something else, and you'll be chasing something that you're not sure if you can get, and you're kind of gritting your teeth and keeping your fingers crossed that it's going to fall into place, and sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. It's a, it's a tricky one. I get very passionate about it because, you know, there'll be films that I really love and I really desperately want to screen, and, and for whatever reason, we're finding it difficult to secure. And because I just want to be able to, you know, put that lineup out and go, look what we're screening. I know these films are all amazing and you're going to love them. Mm. And I, I think, you know, when we first started in 2009, I didn't really know much about running film festivals. At all. I'd never run a film festival. I didn't know anything about it. I yeah. didn't. And, and um, you know, the stuff we put on, you know, is a real mixed bag of stuff. We put on quite a lot of older classic films, but we put, also put on all, all sorts of stuff. Some of them look back and were very good. Some were not so good. But I think as we progressed, we really, really fight to put on the very best films we can. And, and I always like to look back at the lineup now, like, like I'm looking at it in front of me now and think, you know, I don't think there's a bad film on there, mm. in my humble opinion. <laughs> I think they're all good. And I like to be able to say that because I, I, feel, I feel like, right, I've done my job properly and the team have done the job properly. They're all, they're all good. I think I would, I would expect that, and I, would hope, I mean, people always come out of some films they didn't like that. I mean, there's... There's all, everyone's got different tastes and you want to make sure that your mixture of films means that if someone likes everything that's brilliant but you're going to get people that go that wasn't to my taste but overall hopefully they come out and go this has been a fantastic festival because the, the quality of the films are, is good it's high yeah i mean i mean for example i i i liked killing ground a lot more than i liked double day but i didn't dislike double day it's yes. just for my tastes yes killing ground ticks all the boxes. Yes. Whereas Double Day, I think I think Danny Morgan, who wrote and stars in it, it's got a really good ear for a gag and, yes. and an eye for the absurd. And he does some amazing stuff. There's some really funny moments and there's and for anyone that's not seen it, and there's this is there's in terms of plot, there's no spoiler in saying this, but there's a there's an amazing for those that haven't seen it, there's an amazing scene where he goes back to his parents' house and they're all wearing T shirts of him and I'll tell you no more than that. That was but, my favorite favorite scene in the film it's yeah. an amazing scene and I won't, I won't give it any more context than just that, that that basic image but it is it's a it's a genuinely absurd laugh out loud moment that you get to enjoy um so yeah so it's yeah you're right there, there there's oh, but compete. that wasn't so much to your taste as killing ground is what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. but it didn't mean i didn't like it didn't mean i wasn't able to enjoy it because i did but yeah. but i was kind of it's kind of killing grounds where i am in terms of wanting to make films as well so it sort of it fits in with that i couldn't do double date if for love the money so I, I, can, I can admire what it is. But yeah, I'm no, I, I don't think I could make it. Either. Um, uh, so w- one thing we find that's interesting is yeah. that um, something like a double date or something like, say, uh, what else? What else? Um, uh, Dave made a maze or something like Freehold. Yeah. Uh, it was called Two Pigeons, which is all great films. They're, but they're all... They're, to me, they're the kind of films that I suspect are going to uh, play really well at the festival because there's something about having an audience in a, in a festival that enjoy. They're all kind of got a comedic angle, I suppose. Freehold is so dark but very, very black humoured, and um, um, Dave Made a Major is very funny as well, very quirky and bizarre. And you, I just, I just, you know, I just get a sense of whether it's going to be a film that I think the audience is going to come together and thoroughly enjoy the film together. I'm going to laugh together and enjoy that process. And I think that's something that, that is very different about a film festival audience than say, if you're going to watch a movie at home. And um, sometimes we'll find that I'll watch a, and it's difficult to judge that because sometimes you watch something because we'll often be looking at films for the festival on, you know, laptops or on 
TV screens at home. We're not watching it on a cinema screen, which is unfortunate. I wish we could, but it's just it's not possible to do so because, you know, we're watching hundreds of hours of stuff, so we have to get through stuff. So sometimes I'll watch something that's comedic or something, and I'll just think it doesn't really work for me. I didn't really like it. And then someone will say, yeah, one of the other rest of the team will go, I think it could play really well. I, I mean, one one that really proved that last year was a film called Tonight She Comes. don't know okay. if you know that. I don't Matt's, know. I know. Uh, uh, Matt Sturtz's film. And uh, we pr- did the world premiere last year, and it's mm. re- doing festivals all over the world. Um, and it's uh, it's doing really well. Jinger is selling it. Um, and uh, I wasn't sure about it. The other programmer saying we should screen it. It's really good because it, it was, new, you know, his first film and very quirky, different, but really kind of um, uh, grindhousey, kind of gritty in places. Agreed, a lot of fun, I guess. But I wasn't, I just wasn't sure about it. But it, it just went down the storm at the festival. You know, they were right. It was the audience got behind that film, and on the big screen, it just played amazingly. So it, it's it's weird, isn't it? You 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 can't always tell. You just, but you have to sometimes you have to kind of start to develop a kind of uh, a radar for what you think people are going to enjoy in the festival. Well, I think I mean, and also I think something Mark Commode wrote a couple of years ago um, about watching films with a genre audience. He was he was advocating. He was obviously part tugging cheek. He was advocating the idea that as well as OAP screenings and parent and children screenings, there should also be genre fan screenings because. There is a there is a, an expectation of a shared experience of yes. genre fans going into film, which obviously cinema is a shared experience. You want to watch a film with other people, but but certainly the um, the point of being a genre fan going in is a bit like is a bit like going into Old Trafford already a United fan. You're going yeah. in to see United do well. You're not yeah. going in there to go, well, come on, United, make me support you. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what you get when you go to a genre festival, which is uh, so. Let's let's uh, let's round things up. Let's remind people where's the festival. Uh, so this year's Grimfest takes place at the View Cinema in the Printworks in Manchester, and the dates are. It kicks off on the evening of the fifth of October. Yes, uh, through to Sunday the eighth of October. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you very much for giving us that preview of Grimfest. No worries. Thank you very much, Joe. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix. Just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.